you're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads Agency. We've done this every year for a couple of years now. Why do we need to do it again? Like, What's different between what we did in 22 and 23? How much is changed? <laughs> There's some very real savior syndrome going on. <laughs> I got to keep it really interesting for 2023. We will never really be able to fully solve attribution. It's not going to be possible. Dude, that is so frustrating, especially if I start thinking about brand new advertisers that just don't know any better. You can show your ads more places and get more conversions. This is not, this is not true. It'll, it'll, it'll. This is a lie. Welcome to the ultimate guide for Google ads for 2023. I'm Kasim. This is John. Or this Hello. Week, John. I don't know where you're going to land. Yeah, hopefully I'm just not below you. That'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. So we, we've done this every year for a couple of years now. Why do we need to do it again? Like, What's different between what we did in 22 and 23? How much has changed? <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much half of everything has changed, which is kind of funny. And Google still hasn't figured out how to ignore OptiScore and do what's right by the client. So that's why we're here, to shepherd you through the sins of Google and hunt, trying to basically drag you into temptation and paying them more money and we're your shepherds. So yeah, that's why we're here. We're going to teach you the right way it's to do got things. real grandiose real quick. <laughs> there's, there's some very real savior syndrome going on. I got to keep it really interesting for 2023 because, you know, it's it's probably the most important time. Um, so hopefully you found some humor in this and we caught your attention and now you're going to get ready to learn. I was in high school. I always just found the humor and everything and didn't learn. So now I'm here to teach. So this is kind of ironic. Isn't that uh, <laughs> so there's a question, what still apply? like, we're not going to go over conversion tracking. We're not going to no. go over basic like GTM installation <laughs> setup. So if you, if you're watching this video and you need that stuff, we'll include a link to the 2022 video. Cause that stuff is still sound, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. GA4 is coming out this year. Uh, well, forced upon us this year. We, what we found though, so far in the last couple of months though, is attribution is failing inside of Google. UA, we already know is going away. GTM is starting to miss conversions at a higher and higher degree. We have some videos on our YouTube channel about that already, <clears throat> but we're also seeing that GA4 is still missing conversions. So what we have to do is kind of rewind 10 years and just go back to just solid platforms inside of Google that we know are you know non-brand cold traffic scalable sort of ignore what google says and look elsewhere for the truth we've been producing a lot of content lately about cost of acquired new customer versus lifetime value how to calculate mer which people sometimes call blended roas but it's just media efficiency ratio one thing that would say the slight difference there is blended roas is only to ad spend media efficiency ratio is also non-paid networks like your organic search that's a slight difference there so if you're familiar with blended roas think about blended roas just for all of your channels email included so what we're looking at trying to educate everyone on now is even though google may say it's failing it may be google that's failing attribution and we'll just have to look elsewhere so that's just kind of the theme of what we're going to be building today and how to make sure that it is as much non-brand cold traffic less automated targeting in order to set you up for success in 2023 non-brand cold traffic less automated targeting and we're beginning pretty bold here and we're telling everybody not to use ga4 regardless of what google says for the short term yeah for as as time of this video and this is you know january slash february 2023 what Google has essentially stated is the system that they were using in UA is a similar system to GA4 when it's talking about tracking. And what I mean by tracking in general is there was a session tracking before, and now it's called event tracking. Now, and what session tracking did was it would bring a person to the site and that person would have a session. And then that session would continue later on. And that person would come back as a new session and it would say, aha, this person had a session here. They left and then they had another session here. We string those two together and that person did X, Y, and Z. The problem with UA was that it would create one session and then the person would come back and would create another session. And I have mm -hmm. two parallel sessions of two different users and you would actually see, well, why is my direct channel getting more and more and more sales? People don't just wake up and Google my U or type in my URL directly perfectly every single time, but they have a 12% conversion rate. Those stringing together of users, and that's what they call stringing them together. One session, one session, you two are the same person. I string you two together. The GA4 instance is doing the same thing with events. So they have one event, which used to be called a session, and then it would string another event when they come back. And then that would have a omni-channel multi-strung event for one person that did X, Y, and Z. They're experiencing the same issue, though. We have one event that then comes back as a different event. Those two do not get strung together. 
And now we have either duplicate tracking or sometimes just a complete fail point of stringing those users together. So we still see this in pretty much every single third-party attribution tool imaginable. Northbeam still experiences the slight issue. We still have Triple that experiences this issue. Google experiences this issue. It's not an issue on the platform. It's simply an issue that we will never really be able to fully solve attribution. It's not going to be possible. You know who could do it? Huh. Apple could do it. <laughs> Apple, yeah, no, I'm not kidding. Think about it. Apple has a closed ecosystem where you're logged into the same profile on every Apple device. Your Apple Watch, your Apple phone, your Apple tablet, your Apple computer, your Apple laptop. Mm-hmm. If Apple rolled out an ad platform, Apple would be able to track attribution perfectly across all devices and all sessions. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I, you'd expect Google to be able to do that too with Gmail, but they still even can't get close. It's, And I think that also, though, if there's a people that are opting out of the privacy tracking for Apple, I wonder how much Apple can bypass no, that. No, you don't. Uh, yeah, you don't opt out of Apple's apps. Track. Right. <laughs> I've never once been given that option from an Apple app. Well, they share that with an advertiser. Yeah. Well, so that's, you know, to the point that you just made, I wonder <laughs> yeah. why Google can't do that with Gmail. They probably are. They're just not sharing the data because they don't want the antitrust suit. And I'll derail yeah. this conversation yeah. if we go in that direction. So all that to say, for conversion tracking, the 2022 video is sound. Go back and watch that. Moving forward, the conversion tracking is going to get harder and more opaque. Right. And because of that, we need to offer tools. And those are some of the things we're going to talk about on this video that allow people to interpret the data in a way that lets them know what's potentially what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. exactly. I'm ready. Let's <laughs> dive in. Ultimate guide, Google ads, 2023. You're a brand new advertiser. Maybe you're not, but you're starting a brand new account or campaign. Conversion tracking is already set up. Yeah. What do we do? Or even doing like a refresh, maybe yeah. just some different ways to think about things. First thing that we're going to do is we're going to run a brand campaign. Brand campaign. But John, brand campaigns are a waste. I'm going to get all of those clicks anyway. Why would I pay for my own traffic? <laughs> you convinced me. Let's get brand. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's fairly actually pretty close. And I'm going to share, I'm going to share one thing here with you. This is our brand campaign, and you'll see that I practice what I preach. So inside of here, move that down there. Inside of our brand campaign, you know, you see that I'm not bidding more efficiently with maximized conversions and target CPA. This is the kind of the whole theme today of ignoring Google. I'm going back to just good old manual shopping bidding strategy, manual with eCPC. And I'm overshooting my bids at $5, but we had a person that was trying to come in and encroach on our space, and <clears throat> they were bidding about 10 So I won the bid about 5 I'm going to give you the theory here. Your brand is going to be strong when a person is going to either return or when they're ready to ready to purchase for the first time. So whether it's new or repeat conversions or new or repeat traffic, it's still going to be strong. The conversion paths that people go through today are insane. They are massive, massive, massive path to conversion, which means many clicks and many visits from multiple channels before they make their decision. Now, there's some cases where that's not always true. Things like, you know, emergency veterinarian services. You're not going to take two days and look at three different competitors when your dog's choking. You're going to first position right then and there. But for the most part, if you're looking at an e-commerce or if you're trying to find maybe um, a tax attorney, something that is going to be an important decision that you can afford yourself, you know, three to seven days to choose, you're going to have multiple paths. When you make your decision, you're going to go and find the person that, that you're looking for. Very little are you going to say, you know, I finally made my decision. I am going to buy the Pellet Grill Model 700 that is $297 at Home Depot. And you Google it, Google Home Depot near me, and you see Lowe's. You're like, well, that screw that last six days. I'm going there. Like very rarely do you just completely change your mind after that much time and effort and energy. Which brings me to the bidding strategy. Bidding strategies inside of the brand campaign, and we'll build one, but I wanted to kind of share this with you all here in a, in a real sense. My bidding strategy, I'm producing a $5 max CPC. I'm getting a two because there is one competitor who I absolutely despise and they keep showing up in our auction insights and it's Nito Marketing. I'm just kidding. That's sort of coming. <laughs> You can see though that obviously they're they're not they're not showing up. It's just showing up diff- different because of the brand name is on also both sites. We're not actually bidding against ourselves really that much. But what it's doing, we had another competitor that was in there that that tried to scoop up our name, and it just you know we just wanted to protect ourselves. So ran a few different variations of our brand name, but I'm using a ten dollar click here because this is the one that was six dollars and everything else I'm covering at five. But 
the reason why I go through brand campaign with this sort of philosophy is using an automated bidding strategy on your brand campaign, <clears throat> which is potentially in 2023, there's rumors about manual going away. They have not really been confirmed officially, even though some people like Google say, yeah, it's going to be confirmed. Whatever the case may be, I still like manual for your brand because you can bid just enough to protect yourself and spend just enough per day to capture everything that you would need to. And then that's it. Then that, that stays there. If you're an advertiser in 2023, still measuring by ROAS, you're going to miss about half the story. So brand campaign is usually one that just spikes up ROAS in the overall account. You know, you have three campaigns that are doing okay. And then you have your brand campaign that's scooping up all your hard work with a 5,000 ROAS. You're like, oh, everything must be great. Don't do that. Don't measure by ROAS. This is why measuring by cost per acquired new customer makes so much sense because then you have to add up the cost between your cold traffic campaigns and your brand campaign to find out what your cost is. And then you usually want to start to spend less on the last step of the sequence for a person to convert because you've already spent you know 90% of your money getting them there. Don't spend another you know $20 a click just to just to show it in Google ads. They're, they're going to come back directly organically. They'll come back to you for the most part. You don't have to overspend for it. So the new interface though, new interface for the brand campaign, or sorry, new interface for, for Google looks a bit different than last year. There's some different options. There's a different ways to do things. So we'll run through one right now. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Before we do that, John, can I take a brief commercial break and remind people about our new book, You Versus Google, available basically just at Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever books are sold, as long as it's Amazon. Yeah. Did, did you buy that one off Amazon? It, well, this it actually says not for resale. This is the publisher's copy. <laughs> and uh, everything we're talking about here, more or less, is covered in the book in broad strokes, at least. Yeah. And if you see someone that buys a book off of Amazon named Juan Moran, that's totally not me. Leave it a good review. <laughs> that five-star review. From Juan <laughs> <Moran>. <laughs> awesome. This still looks fairly similar. This actually changed last year when it introduced the new way to choose a campaign objective. For brand campaign, I still like to create a campaign without a goal guidance because it gives you more options for a bidding strategy. And then here is search, obviously, as we're going to be running a brand campaign. If you've already set up your conversion actions differently, or Google will do it for you. Just make sure you run through these. Google changed over their categorical, how do I describe this? Categorical structure, architecture, I guess I would say, of your different conversion actions. So you're going to go through and just make sure that there, if there's inactive conversions or conversions that you don't need to count, like this, like calling tracking that's unverified, then you have, we have some offline conversions that sometimes we won't need to necessarily, well, now it's going to show up the complete action plan, like all the stuff that we don't really need to track. You can simply remove it. You can add it in later if you want, but we're going to be using our Smitley form goal because that's where we're essentially tracking all of our conversions. We do have calls, but I'm not going to use an automated bidding strategy uh, or even a manual bidding strategy for that because I can see what's going on. So track whatever you would like to track, whatever you're going to at least use as a CPA. And then we'll continue on from there. Now, again, this is where you see like a different version. It like pops up and kind of grows a bit. So what this, what we did is I hit continue and now it just popped up these two areas here. So select the results you want to get for the campaign. Again, this is fairly simple. It's just going to offer you suggestions as to what you're going to get. We're going to say like website business. You don't even need to do this one. And I'm just going to call this brand campaign. Again, this area is becoming less and less and less useful because Google's auto apply recommendations and Google's opti score is going to judge you on how much money you're paying them, not how effective your campaign is, depending upon what you select here. So basically it's like select how you want to be annoyed is what that means. Now you jump right into the bidding strategy, <clears throat> which is which is a little bit different. I understand why they would they would start right into the bidding strategy, but that's why I covered that first is to kind of share with you this is what I'm using. This is why I'm using it. And this is how I'm measuring if I need to increase or decrease. Who am I bidding against? Where am I showing up in the ads? How much search impression share do I have against them? And search impression share is simply just market penetration on the first page of Google. Give yourself some leeway in that area to, to judge for yourself because you're not going to nail it right off the right off the bat. It's going to be a little bit difficult to understand search impression share, top, absolute top, lost by rank, lost by budget, et cetera. You'll learn this a little bit more as you go on, but if you run manual more often, you'll find out that you probably were overpaying some areas and you might've been spending too much per day and then review your cost of acquiring a customer or cost of acquiring a lead, whatever it may be, and see if you're overall increasing your cost too much for what you're spending. But again, we talked about the way that we would want to market and what you'll see here 
alternative bidding strategies like portfolios are available after you create your campaign. So they actually just strip manual from you right away. You can't even set manual right now if you wanted to. Wow. Yeah, pretty crazy. <clears throat> so you can only set for conversions or clicks is forcing you to use an automated bidding strategy. And this is why I'm saying I think manual is going away. If they can start all new campaigns off manual, they can just, you know, kind of shove it in a closet and never, <laughs> yeah, never let it out again. <laughs> Select it here. <clears throat> we don't recommend it. Use maximize conversions for the time being, and then you can go back and switch off of it later. But it's pretty annoying right now about how they basically just force you to do an automated bidding strategy that you don't want. Dude, that is so frustrating, especially if, you, if I start thinking about brand new advertisers that just don't know any better. Yeah. You know? Yep. Exactly. It's, it's, it's really, it's doing a disservice. Mm -hmm. it, you know, max conversions. Here's the best part is manual CPC with eCPC is pretty much like max conversions. Mm. It'll take your bid and skyrocket it if it needs to. The only thing I like about manual is I get to set a floor. So, you know, people just kind of searching around, always see me at the top, even though they don't click on my ads, I'm up there because of my bid. If I was using max conversions, I'm either going to be at the bottom or at the top, depending upon the user. Well, I always want to be found at the top of my own brand name. I just want to overspend for it. So I'm right. setting a floor. So it's really, it's such a great way to grow a healthy company, but you dip into Google's revenue and that's a sin. So let's look at networks. Search network. Yes. Search partners. My opinion on brand campaign. Yes, that's okay. I very rarely recommend search partners on a normal search campaign, typically because search partners are lower CPC and less quality traffic. So if you're using an automated bidding strategy that Google wants, like TCPA, for example, it says, wow, Google clicks on the top of the page are $10. Search partners like ask.com is $2. I can get a lot more of those clicks for $2 rather than the $10. And I can show more traffic. I can spend more money. I dip into audiences that maybe are a little bit less quality, but I get money. So you end up with a restricted bidding strategy, getting more low quality clicks from third party sources because you're trying to save on your cost per acquisition. You're basically forcing the algorithm to go to periphery, which is all lower quality traffic. Right. And then you see that again here, <laughs> which we'll talk about here. So on brand campaign, yes. On the display network for brand campaign, no, absolutely not. Here's the what Google will not tell you is inside of here, even though it says, hey, you've used display expansion, ex ex display expansion, you can show your ads more places and get more conversions. This is not true. It'll, this is a lie. Right. <laughs> it'll, it'll append more and it'll attribute more conversions to itself, but it's actually not. What this is doing is, let's say, for example, we have $100 a day. I'm going to use really round numbers here. We have $100 a day in budget and our cost per click is always a dollar. And in one day, there's 80 inbound searches that come in and we spend $80 out of $100 and we have $20 left over and there is no one else searching. There's, there's no one else. Google takes that $20 and starts showing those same people display ads. <laughs> so when your budget runs out on search, it kicks in to display and you spend the rest of your money. Now, the average advertiser just sees their campaign hit budget today and they think it's on the brand. And that's the part that that kind of gets a little bit deceptive is it turns into its own remarketing campaign for the people that are already looking for you. <laughs> and so again, that's why we would not recommend using display network. All right. It's in the confines of a brand campaign. We use the display network elsewhere. We're just oh, saying sorry. don't enable it here. Yeah. And and just a good generalized rule of thumb is if you're ever going to run a search and display, always keep them in separate campaigns. You're going to mm -hmm. treat those audiences differently. You're going to bid against them differently. You manage them differently, different bidding strategies. Everything is going to be different. So always run those separately just as a good rule of thumb. Locations. Well, this is pretty simple. United States, right? No, this is United States and every other country. So same thing here. <laughs> same thing here. You're going to open up your location options and make sure that you choose your targeting of, of presence people in or regularly in. This is the same thing from 2022. It's just still there. <laughs> Have you noticed on certain campaigns that the location options isn't available on the campaign build out and it's only available later after the campaign is created? YouTube. Well, no, uh, not after. I'm sorry. I jumped the gun there. Mm. No, it's always it's always either there or not there in here. Yeah, in this area. If you're in YouTube, you can't change in regularly in or interested in. It always okay. Will. That must have been my confusion there. Yeah, it'll it'll always be selection here, 
only the bidding strategy and audience targeting, which we'll go through, is then found afterwards at a higher degree of. Oh um, no! You know what it was, dude? It was Pmax. I was doing. I was uh, speaking at Perry Belcher's event. Mm-hmm. I'm on stage building a Pmax campaign, and I'm teed up to talk about location options. Oh I get, yeah. I get to the location targeting, and it's not there. But then after the campaign was created, then I could go in the settings and change it. That's right. That's right. The Pmax. It used to be here, and then they took it away. But then we also stopped building Pmax campaigns at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right. That's true. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. You're right. Uh, it's so annoying. It, it's so funny. It's like, hey, do it the way we want you to do. And then after you build it, it's like fine. You can change whatever, whatever afterwards. Yeah. It's it's so dis, just disheartening, really. Well, and I, like, I derailed you here, John. I think you can beat this dead horse a little bit more as to why we need to do people in or regularly. In. <sighs> yeah. So what's funny is when you're talking about a country and then you see a, that you can target a person that has interest in your target locations, and that's a country. I mean, God, that is such a wide net to cast. Um, right. People in Canada looking to come to the United States or in Mexico. Where it's to come going to the, the other States. way, just so you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's like, hey, the interested, there's actually less people. <laughs> but that's what's really interesting is you get to actually target a person who is interested in your country and show them a search ad. That's really dangerous, especially if you're especially if you're local or if you're looking at a state. Like, hey, it's like coming to my restaurant, you person in Australia. It's like, that's a bad idea. Hmm. Now it's it's been getting actually fairly good in terms of not getting too much outside of the country traffic problem is it still happens which we never want it to happen as, as any time well but, it gets better over time right but for early stage campaigns just save yourself the waste yeah and what we found especially with performance max is and performance max was an add-on afterwards it used to not be able to remove yourself from the interested in, and then they gave it to you afterwards they just didn't purposely build it into the user interface the funny part though is the performance max because it uses display it's display ads are showing to people outside the country that have an interest in our country. They, they're not taking a search and they're not taking a, a, a proactive search intent like themselves. They're not going to the computer, typing something in. They're on their favorite news network in a different country seeing our ad. And that's where Performance Max got spammed a whole bunch because it hit Click Farms. Click Farms clicked on it. Click Farms started to convert. And Google's automated targeting said, well, there they are. I found them. We found and, them. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Aha! Yeah. First person looking for ribs was actually in Language China. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we got our targeting off. <laughs> um, languages for a search campaign. I actually leave this open for display campaigns or YouTube campaign. And basically anything on the GDN, Google Display Network. You want to use your own language because you're going to proactively find those people. First, people looking for your brand campaign, doesn't matter what their language settings are in the browser. You can work with pretty much all of them. Audience segments. This one's fun. This I like because it, especially on your brand campaign, I find it actually the most valuable. This area here. Audience segments are what you can use inside of Google Ads to either target or observe which I really like because you're not actually targeting them. You're just saying how many people that are coming to, to my website are these type of people. And then mm-hmm. it's based on the audience targeting. So when it's a brand campaign, that in my opinion is a sole source of truth because a person is, if a person is going to make their decision to contact you as a business, let's just say, for example, and Google finds them as these type of people, then that's who your avatar is. There's no better way around it. This is this is the market telling you who they are rather than you telling Google who you think your target is. The nice part about this, though, is even if it's wrong, it's right to Google. What I mean by that is we may find that a whole bunch of people that come to our site are CRM solutions interested people. Okay. It's not that these are, this isn't my target demographic, but Google has identified them as people that are in CRM solutions. Why? Well, maybe for us, for example, Solutions 8, they might be people that are looking to increase lead flow. And so they're looking for a Google Ads agency. They're shopping around for a CRM tool because then they can manage their lead flow. These are all things that are connected. And even though I'm looking for people that are interested in SEO and SEM services or advertising and marketing services or any one of these here that might be, you know, might be more uh, closely aligned with our business offering. It doesn't mean that I'm going to push them away. I'm going to select all 25 of them 
as an example, and set them on observation mode. And I'm going to find of all the long tail way that I think that these people could be connected to an avatar of mine. And then when Google says, hey, your audience is this, I'm going to pro practically go after that audience, even if I think is wrong, because the market is always right. And Google has identified the right audience as whatever label it gives it. This more settings, advertisement, leave that go, start end date, leave that go, add schedule, leave that go, especially for brand campaign URL options. We talked about this last year. It's UTM tracking. Cool. We did it. Yay. Next. Next. <laughs> so this is new. This is actually where Google is going to give you a keyword strategy. Pretty cool. Before you have to go and pay FIFU and SEM Rush and ISPNAGE and Google Keyword Planner and and you know, do a whole bunch of searches, look at the similar searches and a whole bunch of different ways you can do keyword research. Because Google is using more broad, they are going to give you a keyword planner list of keywords and they're going to be a broad match. The problem though here is that if this is a brand campaign, you just have to skip this part. <laughs> but I'll share with you how it works real quick. You can actually paste in your website here. So enter a URL to scan for keywords. So we enter in our website get keyword suggestions and it says hey google ppc advertising services advertise with google ads google i mean yeah this looks pretty good adwords ah, that's, might have some c levels i still say that but these are actually pretty good if i was just starting off on a new campaign and i wanted something that was more broad i would add all of these on broad and i'd go this is actually fairly good on broad now if you wanted to move into phrase match exact match if you wanted to really start to move the needle you know you'd want to import third-party attribution or third-party clicks into your Google Ads as quality lead and then identify those audiences, what your CAC is, how the LTV is working, start to whittle down, blah, 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 blah. To start, if you want to just do like a regular search campaign, you're like, hey, I'm not sure. I'm just kind of just getting into Google. This is actually pretty good. I'm actually pretty impressed with this. It's it's spot on pretty well. For us, <clears throat> we would do obviously do, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do phrase match. I like phrase more than exact. Phrase already is exact anyway. And brand exact specifically or across all search campaigns? No, for brand specifically, it's it's interesting. You'll get all the longer tail, potentially new customer type of searches. So for example, if if we want a solutions eight, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use this here, solutions eight in a phrase match. I can now show up for solutions eight reviews, scam, quality, case studies, YouTube. I'm gonna capture all the things about why, why me. Why would you say scam? <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm trying to get that lawsuit pushed away, Cosmo. Don't bring it up. <laughs> Put that out in the universe. <laughs> That's actually one of our best performing keywords for a few, like three clients. It's so funny. We actually build a landing page for some clients that when people are looking for like that company scam because they're, they're in financial yeah. services, yeah. it goes to there and it's just case study and testimonials and videos and and then it's like a sixty percent conversion rate because it's brand, but they're also <laughs> I don't even know if they realize that they just converted on the page. It just kind of naturally went there. But yeah, so you get scammed because that's what people look for. They're like, oh, I'm going to hire them. Who said, yeah. oh, don't hire solutions, they're a scam. And then they're trying right. to find those people. So that's what's nice is you got to just cover yourself there. So I like I like phrase match. And even though Google's going to say upgrade your keywords to broad match, which is such a leading, misleading lie, like upgrade to broad, upgrade. Not change, upgrade. It's better. Improve upon, <laughs> be less stupid. <laughs> Be less stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and would you play with um, variations here? You know, SOLA, SOLA.com. Yeah. yeah, we would want to put in as many as like kind of variations. I will do like solutions eight, solutions like eight. This way you want to have like, you know, Sole because that's our that's our website. One that's actually pretty common is Soul Eight Space Com. A lot mm -hmm. of times if they mess up the URL, it'll do a search for you and then you'll they'll say hey we're trying to contact these people so different variations there as many as you can i like phrase because for brand i don't want to i don't want to capture too much again right. like it's gonna we're very little time would you not capture a conversion well let me just see one real quick we're spending very little so i don't even know if our ads work right now but yeah it's a like very little time would you look at something and say like oh man like if there wasn't an <laughs> ad here <laughs> it's like here 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 <laughs> here here so this is nice too it's like if you didn't have this here up at the top would you have captured it yeah we'd Probably. be fine yeah yeah so you don't have to go too nuts you just want to make sure that you're covering your bases for people that are looking for you and any competitors that are trying to find that are trying to scoop up that traffic from you but don't upgrade to broad match and you can have more keywords but yeah it's it's something that i would say for brand campaign keep it fairly strict or fairly fairly tight
All right. Final URL time. This is the ad portion to build it. What we've actually been seeing is ad strength is not as important as it once we as, as once we all thought it was. Wow. Yep. So we have we have some a lot of clients where the ad strength will become strong if it gets conversions. It's again, Google's like, hey, I will tell you what I think is going to happen. And they're right. You want to have as many headlines and, and descriptions as possible. You want it to be close enough to your keywords as possible. Should match landing page. All that stuff, they're still good. But if it's some, if it says the ad strength is good, it may turn into excellent over the course of some time. So don't so freak it's, out. it's a lag and a lead indicator. Lead indicator for Google saying, <laughs> hey, we think this is good enough. But if it starts to convert later on, the ad strength can improve. Yeah. Yeah. And ad strength is not necessarily a an indicator that that is going to do well. Ad strength means how many different variations and combinations can Google produce in order for that ad to be as strong as possible to, to get as many conversions. So because I don't even know the combinations that can be had when you multiply 15 with four and then your images and then your site links, there's there's hundreds, potentially thousands of combinations that can be produced with this one RSA, responsive search ad. But if you only give it three headlines, it's going to be greatly reduced in the combinations that could be created with this ad and your strength is low. So that's what that means. You can have just solutions eight. Yes, we are solutions eight. Told you. And it would get like, you know, 80% conversion rate. That will have a pretty good ad strength. <laughs> but so just know that that's how that's, that's measured. That's a fun way to think about it. Actually, I like what you just said. If you're given the option to create 15 headlines, every headline you don't create isn't one less variation. It's mm -hmm as many less variations as there are other variables to multiply that variation by. Yeah. So that ends up meaning like spend some time here, you know, yeah. do the deep dive. Exactly. And and what's okay too is you're going to see your headlines not really make sense because it's very difficult to produce 15 headlines that stand uniquely on their own. You will want to obviously spend some time in creating this and, but it's okay if things look a little bit odd. So what I mean by that is let's do the, let me just see if I still have my HTTPS. There we go. I actually don't use display paths a lot. I I kind of think that they they cheapen a brand campaign where it's like hire us. You know, it's it's I don't know. You're you're kind of looking for a company, and just my opinion, it elevates the experience. If it's just like yes, here's who we are. I don't have to try to sell you on my own brand with a display path that's not real. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna say that this is for brand specifically because you're not driving to them a, a specific page. We can leave that. We leave that blank. Here we go. So in your headline, here's another thing that I think is interesting. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I just want to share with you something that I think is interesting. Free action plan, achieve your goals. I like these actually. Oh, World Authority on SEO. Oh, that's funny. So I'm just going to do, because we already have a brand campaign running, so I'm not going to save this one, but I want to share with you all. I started Google. We just hit 17 years, didn't we? Isn't that nuts? Yeah, 17 years. Jeez. It's also a lie. I know, right? We hit 17 years as a company, but we started doing where for banks. <laughs> right. Yeah. As a Google ads agency, we're babies. <laughs> yeah. It's only been like three weeks for Google yeah. ads, but yeah. Well, no, no really. No. How long has it been? I mean, how long has it been since we've been Google ads dedicated? Because we've been running Google ads for like eight, nine years. Yeah. Google ads dedicated, I think was 17 or 18. Okay. As much so, as I, I mean, still tell. like for a dedicated Google ads agency, that's, that's, that's like five. Like, Five, six years. Yeah. yeah. So I'm again I'm I'm fluffing this on purpose. So I wanted to share with you this. Okay, it's okay. Traffic. Dude, yeah. their ideas and recommendations still blow me away. Oh, like, I know. They're so good. They just read they just read titles. See so yeah, ad images. I know all these are disapproved because Google doesn't like us using Google stuff. Just so stupid. Cool. I'm just gonna get add these just for no more than 20. I know. Yeah, there we go. Okay, cool. So here's what's interesting is include more popular keywords in your title, okay? So you're seeing here, I'm going to say, okay, so Solutions 8 is not on there. So SOL 8. All right, so I have SOL 8 here. Oh, now it's excellent. So because I didn't use my keyword in my ad headline, my ad strength was excellent. Does that mean that people are going to be like, you know, you didn't use the, the, the shortened version of your brand name? No, it's not indicative that the ad is going to fail. It just means that your ad strength is not going to be excellent because it's not matching the keyword that's in your uh, headlines. These little areas here where you see these little green check marks, 
this is Google telling you, if you include these, we'll give you better ad strength. Do you need to do it? No. If you're trying to compare two different RSAs, which is the max amount of responsive search ads you can have in an ad group, and one is good and one is excellent, the excellent will win by default. So if you really want to A-B test your ad copy, you need to have two ad strengths that are good or two ad strengths that are excellent. But if you have one that's good and one versus the other, if the other one is just going to be sort of ignored. The other part, everyone is going to want to pin headlines. I think that's still a good idea in brand. And I would pay for that, meaning that even though my ad strength reduces like this, show it only position one, then my ad strength goes down. If you choose what to show people. A significant drop too. I mean, your ad strength dropped by 40%. Yep. And if you unpin it, you'll see this thing click over here. And then this thing goes excellent. What this is, is we just removed the combinations that Google can produce for us. That's all this is. All this is indicative of is how many combinations can Google create? That's how strong the ad will be. Well, if I say, go ahead and pin this to one, it was like, well, you just hacked off an entire row and now it's going to be less strong. However, look at on here now, the ad, when I start to cycle through, Solutions 8 is always pinned to headline one. And I'm always going to tell people, if you're looking for Solutions 8, here we are. If I have a person bidding on us, bidding on our brand name, and I'm showing unpinned and Ours says a warm winning certified world authority of PPC five star reviews and their headline says solutions eight. <laughs> I might lose it. Yeah. They wouldn't That's... be able to do that though. Right. It's a trademark issue. Yeah. It, you can, you can file for a trademark. You have to do that manually. So you have mm -hmm. to tell Google, Hey, our solutions, a brand is the trademark. Here's proof. If you're kind of just starting off or maybe not really there yet, someone else can use your ad name or your brand name in their ad. So mm -hmm. I'll leave it up to you is if you're trademarked, then you don't have to pin it. If you're not trademarked, maybe go to the pin it and your ad strength going down from excellent to good may or may not increase your CPC. I have not been able to nail that. I've I've had I've had it where if I get more conversions, my CPC goes down, even though the ad strength used to be good. Now it's excellent. So just know that this is not an absolute. All right, that's it for there. Next, choose your daily budget that is appropriate. Put it at a dollar just for, for, for five dollars. I think that's what Google will allow us to do now. Oh, 77. Yeah. Hey, definitely spend more money. Okay. Thanks, Google. This brand name already Missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Sergey needs a new island. <laughs> I know. I love that. It's like it's five dollars. I'm going to stop you from hitting publish. I think you should spend 77. And a person is going to go, okay. And then it hits 77. You can just hit it again and just say, no, I'm not going to, it says, Hey, that brand campaign already exists. I know, but usually just hit publish after that. And it's all set to go. We've, we've went through the whole thing. That's how much different Google, how many times do we stop and say, Google wants you to do this. Here's why that's bad. Like, it's amazing, dude. How much more information? Yeah. You, you versus, versus Google. Google. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm going to discard this draft here. I'm, I'm in Mara account. So just kind of poking around. So I'm just going to stay off screen for a second while we get it set up for the next one. Which one's um, the next one? Next one, we're actually going to run a standard shopping campaign. Oh, I John. think. I know. Yeah. I know. And uh, I already have a video. It's on our YouTube channel. It's, is Performance Max right for your business? I still think that is one of the most important videos that you should watch. If you're watching this now, go watch that video for your e-commerce. I have several use cases as why Performance Max is amazing. That new customer growth, non-brand traffic, not too much remarketing and getting a 2,500 ROAS and a 1,500 ROAS and things are great. And I also have campaigns or I also have campaigns in there as an example to where you're going to be overspending for return users, overspending for remarketing, overspending for your brand and your new customer growth is only one fifth of that campaign. So we already did a performance max video. That video is actually still relevant. From last year, I'm still running those campaigns and we're still getting a very good result, except for when those Performance Max campaigns wean themselves into too much returning traffic. Google is brilliant. And I, I will say that Google is very, very brilliant. They set Performance Max up for failure over a, over a duration of time. I'm trying to see of how I can best illustrate this. And I'll use, I'll, I'll try to be as slow and, and methodical as explain this as I possibly can. Performance Max uses only two automated bidding strategies. Maximize conversions with or without a TCPA and maximize conversion value with or without a TROAS. It's the only thing you can do. You cannot ask Google to warm up traffic. You cannot ask Google to try to get more YouTube subscribers. You cannot ask Google to bring more 
cold traffic and less marketing. It is simply going to hunt for conversions, period. That's the only functionality of that campaign. The fail point is you don't get to tell Google who is going to convert. And Google has free range to find anybody that will convert. When you're a brand new company, amazing. Or you're brand new to marketing, amazing. It is going to find cold traffic. It's going to warm them up. It is going to convert them. And if those people don't necessarily come back, because you don't really have an LTV, that's okay. You can might sell a really nice $400 massage chair. People are like, I'm going to buy five of them now. It's not maybe really something that's an LTV-able item. It works really well. <clears throat> for the people who are looking for, or people for the companies that already have a good lifetime value, these people do return. They purchase. Maybe you're a vitamin subscription company. Maybe you're a supplement company. Maybe you are a clothing company. Whatever you have a good, if you could email your customers and they'll buy again, Performance Max sometimes is bad. And so what happens is Performance Max says, I've got 100 customers. I did a good job. Next month, 20 of those are going to return. Performance Max is going to target those. And if you don't increase your budget, your 100 new went from 100 new, now 80 new, 20 returning. And then next month, maybe 30 start to returning. So next month, now instead of 80 new, 20 returning, now it's 30 returning, 70 new. And it starts to hunt those people more often because they are returning. And Google only knows that good things are happening because their cost per conversion is getting cheaper because of returning traffic. They're using cheaper networks like display. So it's no longer $8 a click. Now it's 80 cents. So the ROAS is going up. So Google thinks, well, ROAS is growing, CPC is dec decreasing, conversions are increasing, average order value is increasing because your return traffic spends more money with you than new traffic. And all of these good things start to happen inside of Performance Max. And fast forward eight months later, you're like, I am ready to scale. And you add in, let's say, $100 more a day, and it was only $100 a day. It says, okay, well, the mix of Performance Max right now is 30% new customers and 70% returning. So you throw a dollar, one more dollar at it, and it takes that dollar and takes 30 cents and tries to get new customers and 70 cents and tries to go remark to the existing customers because these are my bread and butter winners. Problem is when you order once a month, no one just wakes up one day and says, I have to take the kids to school. Nutramax is spending more ad spend on me, so I got to buy that today. Like, that doesn't happen in a person's mind. They don't buy more because a specific company is marking them harder. They're just going to be going through their normal motions. So each time you put a dollar in, you see your spend go up and your revenue increase goes. Mm -hmm. And it's, it hits a point in diminishing terms fast because your audience is more heavy, warm than cold. Performance Max doesn't know any better because it thinks it's doing well. And it's simply going through the motions for a high ROAS. And people usually measure by ROAS, so they think everything's fine. You can ask Google to go after only new customers. The problem is the match rates today, especially in the future, are getting worse and worse and worse. I have a few campaigns where I have an 85% match rate on my upload of my customer list, and I've negated them for my ads down to 90% because that's you can only do that in standard shopping, for example. And Google says only eight customers returned last week. In the actuality, and even UTM parameters, I had 800 customers that returned last week because wow. we're spent we're spending 16 grand a day on this campaign. So Google is telling us they're negated, they're not buying, and we're ignoring your customer list. And if I didn't know any better, I would have believed it. So just know that what Google says may not be the truth. It may be that they can't see it, and you're getting a false positive, and you're starting to scale that false positive. So just know that trying to switch on new customer acquisition and upload your customer list as a negated item, it may not see that and it may still count them new. Why? Because they can't count them returning because they don't see it. So you think I negated my list, my new is growing. Give that six months and you find out that you just spent more money and your bottom line was reduced because your costs went up and your new customers stay stagnant. So that's what you find out after it's too late. So that brings me to standard shopping. Standard shopping is still very good. It's still pretty powerful. I'm not going to be able to tell you if you run, should run standard shopping or performance max. That's something that you'll have to you'll have to create for yourself. But what we'll do today? What would be the rules oh. engine there, John? If we if you were to say like run standard shopping, if are there broad sort of if this then that rules that you follow? <clears throat> yeah, I like standard shopping for higher LTV companies. They do work well with low LTV companies if you have 
and lifetime value. They do work well for low lifetime value companies if your average order value is higher than, let's say, $100. So if you said, hey, I have a $49 product that I want to do standard shopping and I need to get two or three X return on the first customer because these people don't buy, I would actually run Performance Max. Or sorry, they don't buy again. I would actually run Performance Max mm. because you're going to be able to use a little bit smarter targeting. You can start to prospect a little bit on cheaper networks and I still think it's very good. So that'll help grow. And you'll find out that sometimes Performance Max can show you that these people will return. Then you can wean yourself potentially off of PMAX into standard shopping because now you've built up a good return customer and you're reinvesting that profitability into growing just brand new cold traffic because you've proven your model. Again, there's so many different scenarios and what those scenarios will evolve into that you may not have expected or even tried. Like try to get an LTV because you are bad at email marketing and that's okay. I'm not good at email marketing. I just don't do it. But I wouldn't be able to generate return customers for a client because I don't know what I'm doing in email. I could do that in Google, but only because I tried. So you may find that you have a low LTV because you haven't tried to produce an LTV. Performance Max may be able to achieve that for you. It's fantastic. But I would say that for a generalized rule of thumb, standard shopping is a very much heavy growth-minded platform that helps immensely if you have a good LTV. Because if you have a $100 cost for acquisition, but your lifetime value in six months is $300, but their first purchase with you is $50. I mean, you're spending 100, making 50. So you got a 50% ROAS, but you know that will grow into 300, which is a three X return in six months. You could take that audience that you're testing that on, which is maybe 10,000 people and increase that to a million tomorrow and nothing will change. It just scales. But if you're only getting that one sale, <laughs> <you> might, <yeah. laughs> that's going to hurt. So I'm going to grab a campaign here and we're just going to build a standard shopping campaign. All right. So I'm not, I'm using a client one, which is okay because it's not going to be, we're not using this strategy. So it's not something that is even close to what this client would, would be doing. So just know that I'm not giving away any secrets. I just am using a feed because I don't have a feed in ours. We're a Google ads agency. So I clicked new campaign. That's all I did. That's the only thing that you didn't see. And just like how we build a brand campaign, we're going to be building a new objective campaign. And this one's going to be focused on sales. And I'm going to just look at my purchase actions. And I'm going to remove the imported leads because that's not what we do in this account anymore. And I'm going to say, going to say here's my campaign. I'm focusing on sales. Here's how I'm measuring it by choosing my conversion goal. I'm going to ignore what Google is basically saying for how to describe this. I'm going to ignore what Google is basically saying for our recommendations. And I'm going to be choosing shopping. Now, what you'll see here, this is the client that I'm working with here. But it's pretty funny. The default to this of Performance Max and then they say, get the best of automations. Then smart shopping has been upgraded. It has all the benefits of smart shopping plus expanded reach. Show your eyes. I mean, they're selling hard here to get you on Performance Max. One of the things that I would say is a reason why Google is selling Performance Max hard is because Performance Max is the best at producing ROAS attributed to itself. So just know that and please remember that. Actually, I'm going to pause here. I think this is important when I'm talking about how to measure a campaign. Okay, as we're talking about talking about goals on standard shopping, if I have three clicks, I'm going to get three new people. If I'm excluding my brand campaign, yes, once in a while, someone will make two searches of non-brand cold traffic, but for the most part, I get three clicks, three new people. When those three people come into the site, it still may be another six or seven days before they convert. Google is very poor at attributing those post-click, second email, third direct, two organic return path users back to itself. It is doing a very poor job at that. Google knows about it. That's why we don't use Google's own attribution tracking right now for our measurements. But well, just know that- trying to say that they're actually getting worse, right? We expect, generally yeah. speaking, those things to get better. But yep, they're getting worse. Privacy-first decisions and whatever, they're getting worse as time goes on. So even if you used to be able to capture that, that conversion path, it's important to pay attention to because you might not be capturing that as well yeah. as you were. Or if you're looking over the course of a year and things seem to be getting worse, check everywhere else. Check your your revenue and analytics for your global company. Check your Shopify backend, year-over-year performance. Just because Google says things are going down doesn't mean it's actually going down. It's just Google seeing it less. 
So in standard shopping, I get three clicks, three new people. In performance max, I get one new person and two remarketing clicks. It's much easier to attribute that conversion back to myself because I'm usually the click that is going to happen. And last click attributed conversions are easiest to track. It means if I'm the last click before they convert, easy. That's something that Google can attribute back to itself. Easy. <laughs> easy. Easy high five. <laughs> so so they'll they'll be able to attribute that revenue back to it, which means the ROAS looks good in those campaigns. The ROAS looks so, so good in there that you say, well, I can just scale this. Is That's where you find that point of dilution. Because if I get three clicks and I get a customer, that's a 33% conversion rate. Okay, yes. Now, if you get three clicks and three customers, though, in standard shopping, because three people, I can get maybe a 50% conversion rate, but still be better because two, well, let's say four clicks, two of the clicks turn into two new customers. So just know that the volume game is very important when you're talking about how to attribute ROAS back to itself and what networks can do a better job at gaining that own attribution for themselves. And that's why Google is pushing Performance Max so much is because people still measure something by ROAS. And they say, aha, this campaign is getting a 5X. This campaign is getting a 2X. That must be better. Google is basically stacking the deck in their favor. You click standard shopping again, it tries to convert you back to a performance max and then gives you a CTA to switch back to performance max. So we're going to start with standard. Standard shopping, I love standard shopping setups. They are so simple. And I want to give you the ways that you can actually manipulate it for yourself. So in here, there's actually a different area. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to it now, but just know that this is different up here at the top. I'm gonna stay. But you used to be able to, or you used to not be able to select the feed, and now you can actually select specific feeds for specific campaigns. This is actually really cool because you can make supplemental campaigns for different different type of for like countries, which we already know that's always been a thing. But if I wanted to actually produce one that has a sale item and one that does not have a sale item, I can switch feeds easily for ones that may have promotion IDs and for ones that may not have. It's not really useful unless you have a really specific use case, but just know that rather than kind of going through and restructuring your entire product group, you can switch feeds now, which is pretty cool. Again, I bet it's like a geek out, geeky, nerdy thing that I'm like, whoa, we can save ourselves an hour. But anyway, just ignore that part. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. So here's standard shopping. I'm just going to call it a standard shopping campaign, campaign name here. And if you look at the initial settings, I skipped this part, actually, the inventory filter. And I'll share with you why. An inventory filter is you're basically setting up the products that are going to be available in this products that are available in this campaign. This is a really horrible user interface. I do it afterwards from the ad group and I'll share it with you, share with you how, but you can filter either a product like brand ID, and then you just basically have to plug each one in or select from a gigantic list of IDs. This is a huge pain in the butt. Don't use this one here. Local products. If you have a local feed, then you can turn it on. If you have a local inventory in a store, most do not, but if you do that, you don't need the instructions on this one. That's really hard to set up and you know how to use that. Campaign URL options, UTM parameters, easy peasy. Bidding, here's where things get funky. I actually like to use a T-ROAS bidding at a very low target return on ad spend. Few reasons here. One, attribution is poor in standard shopping. I'm only tracking a third of my conversions. I'm at least gonna try to make about a 90 to make my money back break even 90 to 100% return on ad spend. That may actually happen. Google may only see one third, but I'm going to be measuring it differently. But I have to manipulate a failing attribution campaign to achieve the results that I want. You have to tell Google that failing is okay. Right. It's to say, I'm only going to see half. And so I say, great, I'm only going to have to measure you by half then. Mm -hmm. If I want 100% row, as I said, 100%, this campaign may die. Just completely fall off. Dude, this is a scary thing for new advertisers, especially to hear. Well, not even new advertisers, people that are used to hitting three, four, 500x ROAS, mm -hmm. like to this paradigm shift is, it's a leap of faith. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a lot of examples. Oh, I know you do. Yeah. And if you wanted to contact me, I could share them with you one-on-one. -on -one. I can't produce them here in the video, but I have a, I have one video that a standard shopping campaign ran for 12 days earned $7,000. Google said zero. And then by day 13, day 14, you see some sales start to trickle in. It was just missing all these conversions. And the client was like, why are we spending two grand and not getting anything? I said, because it's missing. And I proved it to him in the top conversion path inside of Northbeam. Now the company was getting a better MER and scaling. Google said it wasn't happening though. So I had to take my target return on Aspen down to 5% just to be able to spend the daily budget and scale it because Google wasn't seeing any conversions. So that's what's funny here is Google is going to basically, you have to manipulate the restrictions based on what you think you are going to need to achieve based on the loss of attribution in real time. <laughs> this is something you have to massage. <clears throat> Next, daily budget. 
I like to start to spend my standard shopping campaigns at least at $100 a day. I know that's expensive for some advertisers. My opinion is if you're going to run an e-commerce store and you don't have more than $3,000 a month in standard shopping, non-brand cold traffic, don't run Google, period. I run a brand campaign, nothing. This is going to be your best campaign. Is going to be your e-commerce focused campaigns. If you, if no one types in, you know, like most comfortable hammock, uh, let's just see if I can do a, a shopping result here. Anyway, no one types in most comfortable hammock and looks at shopping and says, no, I don't want any of these. You know, that's not what people do. They are a buying focused, buying focused person. They are going to try to find something to purchase. So that's where they're first going to look. What is the prices? What they look like? who's got shipping, that kind of stuff. They may hit the search to see other advertisers there, but primarily when they're ready to buy, they're price conscious and that's where you need to be. So make sure you put a lot of effort into this, put a lot of effort into your ad spend and, and this channel, invest into this channel. I mean, campaign priority. You can pretty much ignore this unless you're running two campaigns with the same overlapping IDs of products. There is ways to do this that are smart. You can run a non-brand shopping and a brand shopping. Your brand shopping is going to be low priority. Your non-brand shopping is going to be high priority, and you're going to have different daily ad spends. That's a custom strategy that we won't get into. But in this, just building out standard shopping, this only means that when you have multiple campaigns targeting, which one takes precedence over it? Search network. This is up to you. I have had 10 good scenarios and 10 bad scenarios. I default to no. Because the ads that can appear on a search network, a lot of times are, it's almost like a DSA campaign and it might hit blog and you can't really, you can't necessarily dictate what is going to be shown. I've had this on before. I did actually get a blog that converted very well. The problem was, is that blog that converted really well happened once and then everything else failed. So it was kind of like, yes, I may be able to, to finagle this in some sort of way to get this to work. To, that my blog have a additional added benefit to my shopping ad. Just know though, that if you run this search network, it is going to pull like a DSA campaign does of any product page that may be relevant to, or sorry, any page that may be relevant to your product page. It does not pull your product page in every single time. It's up to it. So this is by chance. If Google could nail it, it's good. If not, you just waste a whole bunch of money. So I would say I would say default this one here. So you can do search partners, which pr produces the search partners and the search on Google. It's really, really, really cool. It just gets a little bit wonky. Devices, you're shown in all ads by default. Locations, the locations that you can target, again, very similar. United States, or you can choose another option. You can do an even advanced search and do a radius, 20-mile radius around, I don't even know what this place is, Gombe. Cool. So you can get really cool with your targeting. Again, it doesn't have to be countrywide. You can select multiple different areas of a country, whatever your heart desires. Just know that whatever you're going to target specifically and like with radius, it's a 50 mile radius, a 50 mile radius margin of error. So if you're at 20 miles in an area, just know that this could also cover like a 40 mile radius in this direction. So if you hit 20, it can go 40 anywhere. So because people are mobile and they're targeting their mobile phones and they're driving, so that's why it's in and frequently in. It's basically wherever that traffic is flowing. I'm going to cancel. I'm just going to go back to the United States. Make sure you do in or regularly in, not interested in. The exclude, again, I don't really find excluding does too much unless I want to like cover your whole United States, but except for Texas, then you can exclude Texas. And then this is your exclude parameters. People in or regularly in, don't do this one here because if you're in... Arizona, and you have an interest in Texas, and you're excluding Texas, you exclude the people who have interest in other states. So are they in Arizona? Yes. Are you looking for your product? Yes. Do they have a cousin in Texas? Well, now they can't buy your product. <laughs> <laughs> so just know that's a thing. Start date and end date. We already talked about it. Ad group. I'm just going to call this all products for right now, because I'm going to share with you how we, when we create this campaign, what this looks like. This is it though. This is as hard as standard shopping gets to set up. So it's super, super, super simple. We're going to choose our products now. So I'm going to hit create campaign. Oh no. Did I kill this? It's not. Let me create. Sometimes if you stay here too long, it just dies. Oh, that's why. It's messed up here. There we go. Create campaign. Oh, good. I had that last year. Remember I did that? And all of a sudden I'm like, hold on. I got to redo this real quickly. So here's now my all products here. Here's what you have to look at though. When you want to turn on and turn off products, this part is actually pretty important. Easiest way is to grab item ID. You get to basically choose the specific type of products that you want, or just highlight all your products and click continue. And just know that when you highlight all products, by the way, here's a quick pro tip. You're only going to see 100 selected, and that's your all products, except scroll all the way down the bottom, and then you'll see it just continually grow. 
<laughs> and then once it grows all the way, and I'm just going to imagine that this is it. And then you hit that again, all products. So like, oh, now there's 13. So sometimes if you just hit all products, you're only actually going to be marketing 100 or maybe 2,000 SKUs. So just know that that's a big whoopsie daisy on Google's part. It only loads 100. <laughs> right? It only loads 100 if you hit select all. It's like, oh, you only wanted 100. And then you're none the wiser. But here's another pro tip. I'm going to go to the back end of a client site so I can share this with you here. There's another way I would say that's probably better to better to organize. And I'll tell you why. So product type, this is a way for you to dictate inside of the back end of, let's say, your Shopify store, what products you want automatically entered into Google ads as soon as it goes live. So this is a different, this is a different client. But if you look at here, in the back end of one of their products, you see product type long sleeve polo. They simply type that in. Very simple. That gets pushed through your feed. And inside of the back end of your site here, product type is, let's say that was long sleeve polo. Good. Now there's 117 products in long sleeve polo, and I can just add that product type. And in the future, let's say you make 10 new long sleeve polos. Well, as long as you have long sleeve polo in your product type, it'll naturally filter in through Google ads because your product type is already set up to capture all the products in that category. Mm. So you can add, remove, subtract, and you don't have to say like, crap, I took off seven products off my website. I got to go remove seven. I added 12. Now I got to go in and add those individual product IDs. Just get good at your product types. Keep that nomenclature or yeah, keep the nomenclature static. And you can add and subtract as much as your heart desires, and you'll be marketing instantly as soon as you add a product back into your Shopify. So, quick pro tip for you: I would like to do. I would rather, sure rather do that better. But for fun, I'm just going to hit item ID. I'm not going to add them all, but I would just say like if I click like these, let's just say five, and I click continue to bids, and I hit save. What you're going to see is these five are here, and they're ready to go. However, Google just messed me up again. Because as I added these five, it says, oh, also, by the way, do you want to have all 2,000 in the everything else camp ad group or product group? And now that's also marketing. So this campaign is marketing all. So choose the ones you want to market. If you're going to do it by item ID, pause this one. And when you find your products, you'll see everything else is inactive or not ready to serve. And you'll be able to choose which ones you want to show for. All right. So we covered brand campaign, search, yep. went over standard shopping. Mm -hmm. And this is the end of part one. But yeah. Part two, we're going to be hitting remarketing. Yeah. So because you're not going to be on Pmax, Pmax, the primary function that Pmax turns into after a few months is more heavy remarketing. It's good. It, it will over remarket though, and you get one daily budget. You go, you don't get to dictate where you're spending on new traffic and where you're spending on remarketing. So right now we're spending on new traffic, and just one part that we didn't show that is fairly simple is adding your brand negative keywords to your standard shopping campaign. That's going to be a really good, really good practice. You don't necessarily have to, but just know that you're going to be capturing some people looking for your brand and clicking on your shopping ads and buying your products. Okay, so. Again, I'll let you choose if you want pure cold traffic or if you want cold traffic and some brand traffic. But if you're going to be excluding that branded shopping traffic, one thing that is going to be good is making sure that you are capturing a very specific audience to remarket. So what I like to do is obviously exclude your converters, add your customer list, even though Google may not see it. But if you exclude your converters, at least you are using a Google signal to exclude those people so that Google knows it's going to stop the people that it has already identified and is not susceptible to if it can match your customer list. But then remarket in a dynamic remarketing, which is your product feed showing the products that people viewed on your site for the most majority of the time or left on viewing. So left on that product when they left your site, that was a product that they viewed last or added an item to the cart and did not buy. So those are, we're going to target those people and also overlay an exclusion audience of bouncers. If we can identify the people that have left within 10 seconds, we're going to exclude those people from our remarketing because this way we're not going to spend a good chunk of remarketing on audiences that got there and said, oh, this is what I was looking for and left. And if you look at your bounce rate, let's say your bounce rate 70%, that means that 70% of your remarketing audiences will now be removed, which is really good on saving your daily ad spend to only the people who are staying longer, looking at products and making sure that they're at least adding it to the cart and are not your existing customers. And then we'll also cover YouTube remarketing. YouTube remarketing is super effective. I like it better than dynamic remarketing because you could still use a feed. 
So you do have a dynamic remarketing element to it. But what's nice about it is you can actually use a platform that you pay one to two pennies if they watch it longer than 10 seconds and don't skip. So you cast a really wide net, a lot of fun things you can do. You can do brand story, you do mission statement, product highlights, testimonials, all the good stuff. So we'll be covering that in part two. Nice. So yeah. if you're watching, we'll see you in part two. This was part one. Like, comment, subscribe. You know how YouTube works. Tell your uh, grandmother. Tell your grandma. She should be running some Google Ads. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Google Ads podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol 8 com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's sol8.com, sol, the number eight, dot com.